Even the intelligent investor is likely to need considerable willpower to keep from following the crowd. Benjamin Graham. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Capril. Hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I am your host, Dan Capril, where each and every week we take that which many think is complex, and I guess in some ways it can be, but not nearly as complex as we are often led to believe, and we simplify it. We're talking about the matters of personal finance. Now, it's not nearly as complicated as some of my colleagues want you to believe that it is. In truth, if you can just get away from trying to predict the future and have a realistic out view about it, which is usually an optimistic one, well, financial planning is really not all that challenging. So having said that, we are coming off of a rather turbulent week as I record this here in mid-October. Been a little while since we've had this type of downward volatility, and we're going to discuss that in detail. What does it mean? Why I would argue it's actually a very good thing, but more importantly, how to have reasonable expectations when it comes to market volatility. But before we get to that, our disclaimer. Well, as I mentioned every single week, this is a podcast. This is not a one-on-one counseling session with you on how to address matters of your personal finance. So please view it as educational. There's an excellent chance I don't know you, so anything that I say may not really be applicable to you. If I do know you and you are a client of mine, please reach out. If you hear something I say that sounds important and you want to talk more about it, please do. If you're not one of my clients but would like to be, I would be more than happy to discuss that with you. There's a couple of ways you can do that. The easiest way is to call me, 513-563-7526. That's 513-563-7526. Or if you just want to schedule a time in advance without calling, it's very easy. Go to www.talktodc.com. If you do that, you'll get my calendar and you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me where I will ask you the obvious question, which is how can I help you? And we'll take it from there. But please, anything that you hear on this show, view it as what it was intended to be, education and not personal financial advice. So in today's puzzle of the week, we're going to talk about the recent market volatility. Now, why markets go down really, in my opinion, is not relevant because it's always going to be for a different reason. It is not predictable, as so many people in the financial press would want you to believe. It's not. Market declines are not predictable, as so many people on Wall Street want you to believe. They are not. Market declines are the reaction to news. And news, last time I checked, is unpredictable. That's why we call it news. And if news is unpredictable and markets react to news, well, then by default, markets are unpredictable. But here's what we need to remember. The likelihood is great, really great, really, really, really great that over time markets go up in value. Back when I was born, 1963, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading around 600. Think about that. That's a lot of doublings over 55 years. 
I used to say for many years, people would ask me, what direction do you think the market is going? And I would say, oh, I know where it's going. It's going to go to 25,000. I just don't know when. Well, now we know when that happened. So if you want to ask me that question again, what direction do I think the market's headed? I'll tell you 50,000. I just don't know when. That is the natural order of things. However, along the way, we're going to have volatility. Now, as I was preparing the notes for this show, this recent drop in market values hadn't yet occurred. I was actually doing notes to discuss the value of diversification and why being properly diversified is going to disappoint you. Hence the title of this particular podcast is Your Portfolio Stinks. In truth, your portfolio may not stink, but if you are a well-diversified investor, not only did you not feel the recent market decline to its fullest, oh, you probably were down a little bit, but if you were properly diversified, you, you shouldn't have felt all the pain of the worst performing stock or asset class, but you will also find that when markets go up, that the returns that you get are at best moderate. They are not exciting. I like to point out to my clients all the time that when you work with me, it will be boring because I understand that over time, a broadly diversified portfolio gives you the greatest chance for long-term success. But in the short run, it almost guarantees you're going to be disappointed often. Unless, of course, you have realistic expectations. So until the market did its most recent volatile downward spiral, this past week, large U.S. stocks are off to another great year. And every once in a while, I'll have a client reach out to me and he'll express some or she'll express some concern, if you will, because even though the large U.S. stock market was doing well, their portfolio was maybe doing half that or maybe even less that. And of course, their concern was, well, aren't I doing something wrong? Well, given the fact that part of their portfolio was in large U.S. stocks, and that part was tracking the performance of the large U.S. stock market to the T because it was in an index fund. No, they weren't doing anything wrong at all. That part of their portfolio, which is in large U.S. stocks, was kicking butt. But we understand that we never know in advance which asset class is going to perform the best. So their money was put in other places, too. They had some money in small U.S. stocks. They had some money in international stocks. They had some money in fixed income, bonds, usually the case. These asset classes, up until the most recent market decline, weren't performing nearly as well as large U.S. stocks. Now, if you're thinking maybe you can get away with just being a large U.S. stock investor, well, you, you could. I mean, over time, the large U.S. stock market clearly has appreciated in value. But you will probably give up opportunities to make even more money in other places. Small U.S. stocks over time tend to outperform large U.S. stocks. Emerging market stocks tend to outperform over time large U.S. stocks. And large international, while pretty much track large U.S. stock performance, they perform differently at different times. Hence, by owning them both, we create the opportunity for more consistency. So I've often used the analogy, and I've done it on this show before, that a diversified portfolio is a lot like playing the game of roulette, but with a twist. So if you've ever played roulette, and I don't recommend that you do, but if you have, you know how it works. You go to the table, there's 36 numbers. 
Actually, there's 37. When you factor in, there's a double zero that's green. You put chips on the numbers that you think the little ball is going to come up at. And if your number comes up, it pays 36 to 1. If your number does not come up, all the chips come off. Any chips you put on, they come up. Now, you can bet a third of the board, a half of the board, but I think you get my point there. All right. So the way a diversified portfolio works is you put your chips on the board. And if your number doesn't come up, guess what? The chips stay on the board. And the next roll comes and the next roll. Your chips don't leave the board. But there's going to be many times where part of your portfolio wins and other parts don't. That's the whole purpose. Now, if you feel absolutely certain that the world has changed, or if you feel absolutely certain that you know where markets are going, well, then please don't diversify. So whenever I have this discussion with a client, you know, my natural response to them is, well, what would you rather do? Do we start speculating? I mean, is that what you really want to do? Do you want to selectively stock pick? Do you want to try to time the market? And none of those things seem logical. But in the moment, sometimes they feel good. Because we as humans don't like pain. And when we don't see the returns being what we think they should be based on what we've read in the news, whatever, that can cause us some discomfort. And we are naturally wired to avoid discomfort. So that will motivate us to make change, even if that change is not necessarily in our favor. Too often though, as investors, we don't really understand what it is we are investing in. We don't really understand where our money is. Now, if you work with an advisor, I fault the advisor. Because the advisor should be making it very clear to you where your money is, how it is spread out, why you are buying what you are buying, and why you are buying it in the percentages by which you are buying it. That is imperative. If he or she is not doing that, you have to hold their feet to the fire. You must insist upon it. Ask them, why do I have money in this investment versus that investment? Why do I have it in this percentage versus that percentage? Now, when you are in a properly and efficiently diversified portfolio, you can expect statistically a range of returns. So just like here in Cincinnati, where I'm recording this today, and we are in the month of October, and clearly the fall weather has come. In fact, it might even be pushing winter weather. There is a range of temperatures in the month of October in Cincinnati that I have come to expect. And that range of temperatures is between 40 degrees and 75 degrees. And most of the time, that's exactly what I experience. So when it's 45, there's no shock here. It's normal. Would I prefer it be 70? Yes, I would. But the 45 is just as likely to occur as a 70. It works the same way with your portfolio. There is a range of returns that you should expect to get. Unfortunately, that range isn't always great numbers, but that's the process. You see, the market timer wants you to believe that he can give you a high rate of return every single year, that he can take that range of returns and narrow it, narrow it around a very small grouping of numbers that are all high. 
That's the hope. That's not how it works. And study after study shows that people who try to do that are ultimately disappointed. So when someone comes to me and they'll say, you know, my 401k is doing a lot better than this diversified portfolio, well, my natural response is, okay, let's take a look. Let's take a look at your 401k and let us see how it is truly invested. Because there's an excellent possibility it's not invested the same way. And so in the short run, yeah, you got it right. You got lucky. It's like you went to the roulette table. Instead of putting chips on every single number, you say, you know what? I'll just put it on this one. And it came up. But that's speculation. That's not investing. Now, since we've gone through this period of decline, I want to emphasize to you that there's a real positive thing that comes out of market declines. And that is the ability to rebalance. So your portfolio should have certain targeted percentages. They should have been chosen based on the long-term expected average return and the volatility. Volatility is measured by standard deviation. Yes, remember that term from high school statistics class? Remember when your teacher told you, someday you will need this, and you scoffed. You said, no, I'm never going to need stats. Oh, yes, you will. Well, your teacher was right. So the mixture that your portfolio should have is based, should be based, on long-term average return and standard deviation. This is why you should never put money, by the way, in Bitcoin. <laughs> because those two numbers, no one knows them. <laughs> or any type of cyber currency. But that's a whole other discussion for another time. I got into a somewhat heated discussion recently with an advisor who is not happy about the fact that I've pointed out how often he used to recommend cyber currencies to his clients. On, but of course, he's not doing that now. Anyway, I get away from myself. When markets go down in value, this allows us to rebalance. Now, we all know logically we want to buy when prices are low. We want to sell when prices are high. Now, emotionally, we will do the complete opposite. Emotionally, when stock prices go down, what do we do? We panic. It's going to continue. It might, but it probably won't continue forever. Again, year I was born, 1963, Market's trading around 600. Where is it at now? So what this does, though, is this gives us the opportunity to buy when prices are low. So let's say, for example, you're in a portfolio where half the money's in fixed income, bonds. Let's say you're in short-term government and corporate bonds, and the other half is in equities. And we just had this market pullback, if you will. And now, suddenly, your portfolio is 60% bonds and 40% stocks. Guess what we're going to do? You got it. We need to bring it back to 50-50, which means we need to move money out of the fixed income, some, and buy more stocks at a lower price, allowing you to buy low. Now, when stocks come back up in value, we will do the opposite. We will sell high, we'll move money out of stocks and put it into fixed income. Now, this approach is completely counterintuitive to what we want to do emotionally, because emotionally, we want to dump our losers and ride our winners. But again, you need to understand that tomorrow's winner could be today's loser. So we're in the baseball playoffs right now. The defending champion, Houston Astros. Now, I remember just a few years ago, they were arguably the worst team ever in baseball. You'd have to go back to the 1962 Mets to find a team as bad as the Houston Astros were. And today they are the best team in baseball. That's what happens. Yesterday's loser, tomorrow's winner. Because the Astros were so bad, they were able to draft a lot of really good players, and they're now having enjoyment. Same thing with the Kansas City Royals a few years ago. They were horrible. 
They got good. Guess what? They're horrible again. <laughs> There's only a few constants in sports. It's usually teams that either have one really good player who lasts a long time, like a really good quarterback, or you have an owner who has more money than anybody else, like the Yankees. But the rest of the time, this is what we see. So we have to be very careful not to get too caught up in the short term. There's a range of returns you should expect to have. You need to know what that range is. If you don't know, please find out because otherwise you're flying blind, my friend. That's not a good way to fly. Know what your range of returns is so that you can accept that. And more importantly, is that an acceptable range to help you get to where you want to be? Now, this little dose of common sense that I've been giving you here for the last 15, 20 minutes or so, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say this many, many times before. You've also heard me emphasize that this isn't just something that I've pulled out of the air, that this is something that, quite frankly, has been around for a very, very long time, and there's been some very good books written on it. So I want to give you a couple of those books because I've always feel it's important to emphasize to you the outside scholarship that's out there to support the things that I say. And sadly, too often what I say, other people don't say. And I think it's important that you know. So the one book that I really feel very strongly that every investor should own, and the beauty of it is it's a short book because what do I say? It doesn't have to be complex. I didn't write this book. It's called The Investment Answer by Gordon Murray and Dan Goldie. You can get it on Amazon. Excellent, excellent book. It'll tell you exactly everything that I just told you. Another one that's very good, it's lengthier, but it's called A Random Walk Down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel. I would get the first one, The Investment Answer. I'd start there. If that doesn't quench your thirst, then, you know, by all means. And there's others. And you can feel free to reach out to me at any time. Um, Eric code 513-563-7526 is my number. If you prefer email, dan at mattsonandcapril.com. We'll also get you there as well. So let's understand that turbulence is normal. Let's understand that if we're going to be diversified, we are not going to be getting the total return of the highest performing asset class for our entire portfolio. There's a section of our portfolio that should be giving us that return, but we're going to be owning many things. That's by design. I've always said done properly, investing is a very, very boring exercise. So let's be mindful that as we go forward. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. We love getting questions. And if you ever have a question for me, please feel free to reach out to me. It's dan at mattsonandcapril.com. Or you can always just schedule a time to talk to me. You can go to talk to DC, my initials, talktodc.com. And I'll be more than happy to take your question there. But I encourage you, if you have questions, we're more than happy to answer them. And who knows, they might even get on the show like Deirdre's question. Deirdre, who's from Columbus, Ohio, says, I am about to take on a new job. They have a 401k plan. How do I determine which funds I should be in? Well, Deirdre, great question. Not the easiest one in the world to answer. But I'll just give you some thoughts and you can kind of take it from there. And by all means, feel free to reach out to me directly, Deirdre, because I'd be more than happy to try to give you a little bit more direction. Because again, like I've emphasized before every week on the disclaimer of this program, we're giving you here some education. I'm not trying to tell you what exactly to do for you. So let's first 
talk about the equity funds that they might be offering you, Deirdre. And the first thing I would emphasize is if they offer an index fund, those are the ones you want to be in. And you'll know them because they'll have the word usually index. Vanguard, Fidelity, DFA, those are three of your major index families. Black Oak has some. So first of all, be on the lookout for those. They have the lowest operating expenses usually, and they don't try to time the market. They don't try to stock pick. They give you market rates of return, which statistically will put you in the top 20% each and every year. Because each and every year, only about 20% of the active managers beat the index, and it's a different 20% usually each and every year. So we don't really get too excited when someone says they beat the market because it's like, well, that's kind of more like luck than skill. So let's look at first, what do we have by way of index funds? Now, if you have index funds, then you need to look at them very carefully to determine what type of index are they investing in? How much is in large company? How much is in small company? How much is in international? Are you giving multiple indices? or you just have one. Very important because, well, you need to understand that there's a big stock market out there in the world. And sometimes you'll have like an S&P 500 fund and you think, okay, I'm going to put all my money in that because it's an index and that's great, but that's just 500 stocks. There's like 16,000 of them globally. So I would look to see if there was a presence in small companies as well as international. Now, if you don't have index funds as your options, then what I typically would do is I would look at which ones have the lower internal operating expenses. And you can find that out by going on Morningstar. The other thing I would look very carefully at is of those funds, which ones have the lowest turnover? Which ones are doing the least amount of buying and selling? Because the more buying and selling you do, the higher the internal cost. So I like a portfolio that's buy, hold, rebalance. And index funds will give you that. The other thing you want to consider is how much should be in stocks, how much should be in fixed income. Now, when you're looking at your fixed income options, Deirdre, the thing I would look for is, are they investing in short-term bonds or long-term bonds? Long-term bonds historically are more volatile than short-term bonds. There's more at risk. You're lending your money out longer. Don't get too enamored with returns on bonds. That's the job of your stocks. You want stability. Now, you may come across some bond fund that paid 9%. I can almost guarantee you that they're investing in junk bonds, high-yield bonds, bonds that are essentially loans to companies who are not as financially strong. Be careful about that, all right? So I know that didn't give you a lot of explicit direction, but I hopefully it gave you some, all right? Again, Gordon Murray and Dan Goldie's book, The Investment Answer, would also help you with that as well, all right? But feel free to reach out to me directly if you'd like, 513-563-7526. All right, guys, now we're going to go to the puzzle solver segment. So in the puzzle solver segment of our show, which is where we are right now, I like to give you homework because to me, it's not enough just to listen. You need to take some action. And that's what we're going to do here is we're going to give you some real action that's going to help you. So while sometimes I will give you a download on our website at matsonandcapril.com and you click on podcast, you can see all the shows and you can see today's show. Today, I'm not going to give you a download. Today, you're going to be able to do everything I want you to do with just your statement, your computer, and a notepad. And here's what I want you to do. I've given you similar exercises to this before, but take a look at all of the funds that you are in. 
and determine what asset class they are investing in. All right, is it large company? Is it small company? Is it international? Is it bonds? And then determine what percentage they make up of your total portfolio. So for example, if you had say 500,000 and 250,000 was an S&P 500 index fund, 50% is what you would put down there, all right? Now, here's the question. What's the ideal percentages for you? Now, if you're working with somebody, you need to ask them that question. And if you're not working with somebody, well, you obviously know the answer, right? No, you better find out. You don't wanna fly blind because now you have an excellent opportunity to rebalance your portfolio. And my guess is given some of the recent volatility you have, your portfolio needs to be rebalanced. So get a very clear understanding about what percentages you are in each of those asset classes and then determine if it's ideal. And if it's not, I want you to rebalance your portfolio. ASAP, highly, highly important. So that concludes another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Again, I want to thank you for listening. We've gone to a slightly different format going forward. I'm going to be doing this show once a month now rather than weekly. Uh, There's a number of reasons for that. But this is like our, I don't know, hundredth and something program. And I don't want to be repetitive. I want to give you keen insights on things. And I think once a month works well. But you should feel free to reach out to me at any point in time. So again, you can schedule a 15-minute consultation with me anytime you want. Just go to www.talktodc.com and my schedule will come up. You can schedule a time or give my office a call, 513-563-7526. And my extremely talented office manager, Trina, We'll schedule a time for us to talk and I'll answer whatever questions that you have. So until next time, this is Dan Capril and thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com and be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.